This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're going to be talking about magic users, arcane people, spellcasters. Somebody asked a question about how you play a magic user. Yeah, I think. And also like, uh, what is it? What makes magic users different than other types of characters that you might play in any kind of game? We're talking about uh, fantasy role-playing games like uh, D&D, but... Other, there's other games that have uh, magic. Magic, yes, and people who can cast magic spells. Since D and D is a big monster in the room, or elephant, whatever you want to call it, the big, the big kahuna, we can talk about D and D a little bit. I think a lot of people like playing magic users. I think they're pretty, uh, they're pretty popular type of character to play. I find that interesting because I think that people fall into different categories, like. They either like to play magic users or they like to play a fighter or they really, really, although clerics get a bad rap because people are always going, yeah, you need a cleric to heal people, but. And nobody wants to play a cleric. But I don't think that's true because I think some people do like to play clerics because they do get to use magic. Right, right. But, but I think arcane, I think that's the word you were saying, not divine spellcasters have a like a special i don't know what it is je ne sais quoi as the french might say this element that is just really cool because they can do so much because of the because usually in games spellcasters can be very powerful well having played a spellcaster a sorceress i can tell you right now that in D &D you're talking about yes oh no and Shadowrun. yeah i was just a yeah a magic user in Shadowrun. I forget what they called it. It wasn't a magician, but it was a, uh, a magician, I think. Yeah, it was a a mage. Yeah, but <laughs> you can be very powerful, but you also need to have somebody to stand behind because you can get killed really easily. Because right. you don't have a lot of uh, as a as a as a magic user, you're not. You might deal a lot of hit points to in your spells, but you can also take a lot of hit points if somebody. Can. Oh yeah, they, they, that's usually they try to mitigate the powerfulness of a spellcaster by making them weak physically. Like uh, what is it? Like less constitution. Yeah. So they don't have as many hit points. As, like in D and D, you have a uh, what is it? A lower hit die than especially a, lower level, right? Right. Like I remember in the original game, uh, a magic user had a D four. Yeah, that's and unfortunately, and then usually you wouldn't pick somebody who had like a high constitution. Because then you just like, oh, high constitution, high higher strength, I'll make him a fighter. But I remember having a, a magic user who had a, like one hit point. One hit point. I'm like, man, I, I don't see how we stayed alive. Yeah, you have to be really careful. So so you, they might be more powerful in certain ways, but they're also more likely to... Fragile. <laughs> ...want to resolve things without fighting. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. That, that's a different, yeah, that's a different aspect of... Of being a magic user, I think they're just because they're so squishy. They're squishy. That's the term. I like that term. I, I, I like that term too. I remember, I'm going to go off a little bit tangent, but there was this magazine, I think it was the Fantasy Space Gamer. It had a second iteration and they promised a game in every issue. Okay. So it was like a magazine. It was like the dungeon, like the dragon magazine. Right, right. And in the one, one of the first episodes, they had, the, they had, they had this game that they called Era 10. Now the whole prom the whole thing about Era Ten is I guess somebody let out this pacification virus where it pacified 
the entire galaxy or the known universe, except for a few people who were immune. And what happens is it is the far future. So the immune people were the ones that did all the fighting for whoever needed to be fought against and uh, for if you have the causes of wars. And they wore these suits of armor. You know, they were like battle suits. It was a very loose system. They had like, uh, what is it? Like if you wanted to build something, they just had units of, of some, they call it K units or whatever. And uh, anyway, so the, the, the era 10, the people who were the, the battle born, they called the regular people squishies because they're in this big, huge, huge suit of armor. And, uh, and you could just literally sit on humans because they weigh a ton, literally. So I, that was the first time I heard that term squishy. That was years ago, years ago. <laughs> I think I have that magazine. I think I bought it because it was Felipe's magazine, and then I liked it. I actually wanted to run that game, but I never did win run that game. Okay. So back to magic users. You really do go off on tangents sometimes. Every once in a while. So spellcasters. I think you're the one I mentioned. Is I'm, I don't know if you mentioned it or if you read that. That's what somebody else said. Is that when people who play People who play magic users are more apt or more likely to role play more. Well, what I was reading was that if you're going to play a, a, a spellcaster, there's two different ways you can do it. There's the bland way, right? Where, where you go, uh, uh, I'm going to cast a fireball. Or you could explain to everybody that this is what I'm doing. You can see me. I'm gathering up a my I don't know when you cast a fireball because in D&D there's different things that you do for spells right there's either a word component or a oh yes components right right there's so you can, components. you can say I pull out some little I don't know what it takes to cast a fireball I can't remember but <clears throat> whatever it is out of my pouch I pull out right. three little beads and I'm standing there and all of a sudden you see fire shoot from my hand right Right. So that you have when you're playing a spellcaster, you have the ability to put more role playing into it, right? To to explain what you're doing, or to say instead of just saying I cast a fireball, here I'm going to roll my 16 dice now to see how much damage I do. Versus, you can also like you were talking about before when you wanted when you were playing a a magic user, but you wanted to make your character look like a knife thrower because right. you didn't want anyone to know you were a magic user, right? Because you were really squishy. In D &D. Or you was were it really squishy? Because yes. you were first level. Yeah, yeah, that was in uh, Pathfinder actually. Yeah, we were playing Pathfinder Society games. So you have the ability to make your character more, you know, to to role play it out more in that essence, right? Right. You can put more flavor into what you're doing, right? Especially right. like say you're so if you play a, a is it a wizard or a. Um, where you have to to memorize your spells each day. That's a wizard, yes. So so Ian always when he plays it, he always <laughs> says, "In the morning, I, I want to take the last watch because then I can sit and do my memorization of my spells right, for right, the day." Right, right. So you can you envision him sitting there on the ground, uh, cross legged, memorizing his spells while he's look watching, right? Supposedly watching, right? Yeah. yeah. Another thing is that, uh, what is it about spell about doing something like that? Is that you gotta. I remember him asking, "So what are we gonna do today or tomorrow?" You know, right. and so so you go so you, and then people would go, "What do you mean?" And that's what it happened almost not almost every time, but quite a few times. He goes, and people were the other players were going like, "What? What do you mean by that?" He goes, "Well, are we gonna get into combat, or are we just gonna like stay in town?" 
And so he would decide what spells to take by what supposedly they were going to do. Sometimes they wouldn't stick to the plan, but that's the way usually things usually go. Yes, because wizards can only can only memorize so many spells for the day, right? Whereas sorcerers, they have all their spells. I think there's some switching of spells they can do. Like if they memorize like a certain number of spells, they could like it. I could switch a third level spell for another third level spell or something like that, or for a lower level. Well, spell. you would figure if they were a wizard, they could do that, right? Yeah, well, I don't know. I mean, but I think, it, but it might take time. It might take right. them an hour to to. Blah 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 to right. get the spell going. Because in the old days there was none of that. There was no. I mean, the old days like I don't think you could do that in third edition. But I'm not. Sure. I don't remember that. But actually, but I for a fact in original D and D and A D and D and possibly second edition, none of that was a, was a possible. It was pretty. It's pretty cool though because there's other things like if you're a sorcerer, you get your power from somewhere, right? Like sometimes it's it's inborn in you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You come from the dragons, right? right? You're dragonborn. And so I always thought it was interesting, and and I think it it always made sense to me that you know if your your skin starts glowing right before you 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 cast a spell or something. So right. So there's telltale signs of of what's going to happen. So right. your party members might discover this right as you know she's uh, leave her alone get out of her way because she's starting to 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 shine as the sun, in the sun <laughs> she's, she's getting shiny well i remember you just yelling get out of my way <laughs> or or i've cleared the way i forget what you would yell about about in front of you because you were really passionate about throwing lightning bolts and uh and those fighters kept trying to get in my way. And it's, yeah, they're, they're pretty indiscriminate, those lightning bolts sometimes. So, yeah, I think, uh, so I don't know. I think you're right in a certain sense just because of the nature of of people who play magic users. I think they just inherently are just more apt to role play because sometimes magic users are not all about combat. So there's other skills that they also have usually. Yeah. Uh, well, I, I, but, but like for example, in D and D, fifth edition, and I think even uh, third edition, uh, sorcerers because that's a different kind of magic. Their their magic, their force comes from their charisma. That's their, mm-hmm. their, their yes. stat that they use. So if you have a high charisma, you know that means you're also could be a diplomatic person or or the face of the group because you have a high charisma skill stat. Which makes you more apt to talk to people, you know, in the system. Yes. Whether you are more, you know, have a silver tongue or not, that doesn't matter. I guess. I I did have description as another trait of magic users. They usually are more descriptive, and I think that comes from that kind of thing where they just have, want to describe what they're what they're doing while they're casting. You're right. I there is. Uh, I don't know. Do they still have the verbal? Yes, there. There's a verbal component. The signal. They have to move there's hands verbal and material. Com- there's different components. BSM. Right? Yeah, yeah. And that was back in in even AD and D where they had the VSM, and you would have to carry all this stuff, or you would have to make these like hand gestures, whatever you would come up with, or material and material components, and then there was verbal, right? So you would have to say something. Now. Depending on the GM, some GMs would say, well, you really have to, you can't like wiggle your little finger and throw a fireball. Like the bigger the spell, the more you have to do these these arm movements, not even just move your hands, but you're like doing these weird, 
I don't know, these, uh, you're tracing out the, some yes, script the, in the, the sky. Yes, the signal in the sky. Right, right. And so, and so that, would, that would just put a big target on you, I think. That's why. Well, see, for my sorceress, I had a, I, I like wore a pouch, right? Of course. So that I had the stuff. So that that was, that was my thing. And I, and I had talked to you about it before I go, I don't, because I was, I was kind of trying to figure out what the things, the VSM meant, right? Right. But we we worked it out that I, if I was wearing the pouch, then I had all the the components, the material components, the material yeah, components. Yeah. So I didn't have to like stop along the side of the road to grab dirt or whatever. Whatever, yeah. yeah. Well, usually they were weird stuff, yes, right? It's not, it's not like Ian and Ian, because he likes to play a magic user. Usually a wizard always would go. Well, I need to get these feathers from right. blah 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 and right, right. carry them with me. Yeah. Well, some of the some of the material components are like really tough to get. Right. I think in uh, there's one that you have to have some kind of gem or something. Right. Oh, there's yeah, there's a couple. I think to raise the dead, you have to have like a five thousand piece gem. Yeah. And at some spells, they they say when you throw it, it like shatters or you know makes the gem worthless. But anyway, so that's that's I think description and and being part of and being a wizard kind of go hand in hand because you want to. Like describe what you're doing. I mean, there's some people out there. Oh, fireball. Okay, you know what a fireball looks like. But some people go, okay, I'm gonna do this. You know, I'm gonna, well, like you said, describe what they're doing in in detail. In detail and preparation for the spell. Or you know that yeah, but you know there are people that have a hard time with the role playing aspect sometimes, right. and so you can't push people like you know what are you you need to describe for me what oh, you're yeah, doing. Yeah, yeah. That That's kind of something thing. that that usually you should just let the the player i mean you can ask you know can you be more descriptive as to what you're doing when you throw a spell and i think most people will get it will will say okay i'm gonna like this is what i'm doing and then you don't have to describe that every time but well and as as you get you know usually you start out at first level when you're playing a game right so all the characters you're and the the people that you're playing with are going to get to know different things you say like like if you do so if you tell them Get out! I, I'm <laughs> get out! Yeah, and and all of a sudden a lightning bolt comes out of you. Then you know. Yeah, there you go. yeah. I think that what happens then is they like they don't like their back being burned by exactly. lightning, so or, they move out of the way. Or you're a first level sorcerer, so you don't have a lot of spells, right? And they're not really powerful. Usually it's magic missiles, right? Right. So you you tell the fighter in the group stand in front of me. I'm oh. going to cast. I'm going to stand behind you because I need you to protect me while I do this. Yeah, I remember. Well, you did that quite a bit. I, I did that a lot. And for some reason, Alan, Alan, who wasn't even a fighter, I think he was a rogue, was, was the one that. Well, you, sometimes he was a fighter, sometimes he was a. Rogue, well, but, most at the time that, yeah. that I remember things went a little wonky. <laughs> was when he was a rogue, and I'm like, why are you choosing the rogue to stand behind? Hey, come with me. Well, because I guess you would try to backstab people. Yes, that he wanted to get behind yes, them. So yeah, but you know. But you, you do different things, right? So the people that you're playing with are going to realize what you're doing, and then that gives the, the game more flavor for... Oh, yeah. I mean, everybody would just, like, in the group, whether... It was funny because it was in Shadowrun and in D&D when you would yell, get out of my way or clear the way. I forget what you'd say. Something like that. People would actually make sure they go, where is she? You know, they're always like, where is she? All right, I'm going to jump this way. I mean, they wouldn't even like just say they move. They say they jump. Because- well, because a couple of times, like Steve goes, oh, I'm just going to stay here. I go, you're in my way. He goes, it's okay. I can take the, the hit points. And I'm like going, you're such a dork. One, you, you wouldn't say that in a real fight. Right? I can take it. 
Okay, just go burn. ahead, burn me. <laughs> yeah. uh, make me to a crispy critter. Yeah, he did do that, right? And he, you did nail him. Did then I had to him? heal him. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that's kind of funny. That 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 in itself is funny, and that might happen. Like if he's if he really thought that he was in a position that he didn't want to give up, whatever that. I don't remember the situation. I don't know if lightning, if a, if a huge lightning, uh, a column of lightning is coming at you, just get out of the way, people. <laughs> just, well, and since they were fighters and they were all really powerful wasn't fighters, he, a cleric? he was a cleric at that time. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, but he probably felt he can heal himself if you did too much damage to him. But I was like, what fifth or sixth level at yeah, the time? So, throwing eight dice. so I was throwing a lot of dice yeah. for that. So. Yeah, but it, I, but it does add flavor to the game, right? I the think so. Different it, kinds yeah, of things. Oh, like definitely. That. Oh, look at that! That whole situation. You know, get out of my way, and he goes, "No, I'm going to just stay here." And you throw the spell anyway, or you know, you're in the midst of throwing the spell. I think it's. I think it's just. It's funny and I to think me. You wouldn't let me not throw the spell because you said I had already started it. Well, that, or you know, something like it was. It I was, probably was just being mean to Steve. But yeah, 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 exactly. You were not mean, but you were like, well, you told him to get out of the way. He doesn't want to get out of the way. I'm like, well, I could move. Nope. I don't know what the situation is when you are going to throw a spell and at the last minute you decide not to. That could be bad. I mean, you could. I could just say, well, you lose that spell. Cassandra has blown up where she was standing. <laughs> I mean, it, it depends. It depends on the game, right? But in D and D. I don't. I don't know. I don't. I hate to say, but I don't really know what happens if you say you're going to throw a spell because spells, you could ask the boys and they could tell you spells are supposed to take place instantaneously. Right. That's the. That's the thing. Right. So. So, so well, if your sorceress is saying get out of the way, a lightning bolt is you know, and you know that she's going to throw a lightning bolt, the the chances of if you don't get out of the way, you're going to get slammed by a lightning bolt. Right. 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 Yeah. And yeah, I think uh, it depends. You know how how the GM plays. In, right. And their own style they could say well if you're say you're gonna throw a lightning bolt either throw a lightning bolt or or you lose the spells i think that's probably the easiest thing to do now you could have thrown the lightning bolt straight into the sky and nothing would have happened so you could still have the, that kind of what is it that kind out or that kind of liberty i don't know yeah. not liberty is not the word but that kind of decision making that you make you know you could like direct the spell which way direction so up is always a probably <laughs> Uh, you know, Unless like, you're in a cave, uh, but in a cave, don't throw a lightning bolt. I'm just, I'm, that's just my own suggestion. Unless it's a very long cave, because <laughs> I think it dissipates after a while. But I think lightning bolts does bounce off walls. I think you can. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah. yeah, and worse if you make like chain lightning. Where yeah. Oh, well, Steve it. tried to do that in a cave once. Chain lightning. I was like, what are you doing? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This cave's walls are like almost what do you call it? Really smooth, mirror smooth. <laughs> So I think another thing I wrote down about magic users, because they're so weak, usually, at the lower levels, they got to be more uh, creative in what, how they approach things, right? And problems, uh, they might want to make sure that they don't get in the situation where they're in, there's no, like, what is it, where they're backed into a corner. Well, however that may is, depending on the, on the situation. But you don't want to be by yourself and then, against five thugs in an alleyway or something no. like that or you know you know uh not when you have eight hit points right or in a dungeon if you're like below ground in a tomb or whatever and you wander off by yourself and and like my paladin got jumped you by, should never wander off by yourself in by a, giant skeletons well, yeah. and get 
critically killed or critically wounded. I think it it opens up negotiations. Not like uh, <laughs> not like one of my favorite movies, The Fifth where, Element, where where Bruce Willis negotiates. But it was Corbin Dallas who was yes. But actual negotiations or, Real or, negotiations. or you know, <laughs> trying to solve the problem before the fighters. Because the fighter, it, to me, the fighters are always standing behind you, ready to, they, ready you know, to they have their sword half pulled out. <laughs> or they're, they're, the, the dwarf is, is loosening his axe, right, ready to go. But you're trying to go, we don't need to fight this these people. And they're like standing, in my mind, they're standing right behind you getting ready to to do it with no matter what because they're they're ready because they don't know what's going to happen right that will give you will give you a chance to negotiate yeah i think you're right i think just because of the nature of magic users they're usually considered wiser right and the and whether you're you're playing D or not the like where sorcerers use charisma so they're usually have like diplomatic spells not spells but skills and they have advantages of having a, a better uh, interactions with people or whatever. And uh, and I think that's what's interesting about spellcasters is that usually they fit that secondary role where they're the face of the of the of the party where they're because usually they're more learned, right? They have a higher intelligence or but you got to read all those things to learn all those spells. Right. And so they they know stuff and they they're more I hate to use the word more intelligent, but they're more knowledgeable about stuff. I mean, in game. And and because of that, a lot of times I would think that they would be the ones who would be talking to people, you know, because they are the ones that they just know more stuff where you would. I kind of like, you know, if you're using like uh, stereotypes like Conan is just, oh, oh me kill. Right. And then you have uh, you know, like Dr. Strange, who's because he's Dr. Strange. Even if he didn't have all these mystical powers, he just knows a lot of stuff because he read a lot of stuff so he can throw these spells and right. knows consequences of his spells and all this other stuff. And these formulas that they have to memorize and these components that they have to mix. It's not something that is, to me, it's like they study, right? Right. Right. So I think magic users fit that that part of, I don't know, the group, right? They're, they're the face man. They're the people that talk. It depends on the magic user, right? If they're, if right. they're a tiefling wizard, you, you might not want them to be the face of the group, right? Yeah, yeah that's true. But wizards have to have a lot of intelligence, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And sorcerer is a lot of charisma. Right. So, so it does kind of, it depending on, and it depends on the, the players too, because sometimes yeah. the fighter is the one that is, is the most, the person at the table that talks the most, right? right or is, right. is re- ready to ask the questions. Um, usually the barbarian at the table, if they do want to ask the questions, I mean, you gotta, you know, you gotta take into consideration things like if this big giant guy is coming at you and asking you questions, is he, you know, <laughs> how, 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 much skill does he have in intim because it's going to be intimidation versus uh charisma i mean not i don't know what the stats are for intimidation but yeah i mean i think there is that that point that where whatever game you're playing you see this hulking dude with this big old sword do you really want to talk to him (laughs) yeah and do you want to take the risk of like him understanding or misunderstanding what you're trying to say where you have a little bit you know, next to him, let's say there's a cultured. He's dressed nice. Usually they're not grubby. Yeah, usually. You know, usually magic users take care about what clothes they wear and and other stuff. So, I mean, which one would you rather talk to? And I think 
you're going to gravitate to somebody who, and not only that, they're not bristling with weapons, right? It's most likely not going to be the tiefling in your group, right? Well, there's that too. <laughs> but at the very least, just looking at what they're carrying, right? you know, you have, unless it's like a paladin who theoretically looks really clean and nice. And and I think... Uh, yeah, paladins do come off with a, a big authority, right? Right. They, they look like they're in charge. Whether they're in charge or not, right. they, they probably think they are. So they come off They look as, the part. They, they're the... The ones that you know, yeah, they're in. They're they're wearing a ten suit and have a huge, either a sword or a mace or something. Right? Well, I was I was just thinking about the. They showed a preview of uh, the the new D and D movie that's coming out next in twenty twenty three, and uh, I think that the guy who plays the paladin is is the the bl- the guy who plays the duke in the in that period piece in that period show, Bridgerton. Okay. Uh, the Duke. Okay. The the African American. I don't think he's American. No, he's British. The British. The the black guy. He's uh he's a paladin. And at one point, you know, he's doing his you know he's killing everything right. And they're like, oh, and then they say, I'm really glad he he joined the group or whatever, or he's with us. But you see him and he's all clean, right? You know, he's not all like all dirty, yeah. you know, because you yeah. make him look really nice. And he's a handsome dude, so and he takes off his helmet. He's like. Like, oh, and I think that kind of characterization is what usually people envision a paladin being like. Right. And so when you role play that, it's like when he goes to town, everybody's going to say, oh, you know, he's obviously trustworthy. He's not going to lie to me, stuff like that. Those are things that are attributed, things that might be attributed to a paladin that they're not going to lie to him and stuff. So he might be the person that you want to talk to. And I think, I don't know if it's, I think in AD&D, and I'm not sure about, third edition but in AD&D you had to have a high charisma to even become a paladin right I think your charisma had to be like 17 so it was pretty high and I don't, I don't think they tech kept that in third edition and moving forward because now you can be anything you want with no restrictions but but back then you had to have a high charisma so you might gravitate toward him or her the paladin in the group to negotiate with but then again he's bristling with weapons so i think and still, he's probably grumpy and i don't well, know <laughs> let's say that but so I, you look at the magic user and you say well he's just kind of a, a strange looking dude with his robes but at least i don't think he's gonna you know stab me right away <laughs> he might turn me into something unnatural <laughs> so another thing on the on the list that i have is uh because of the situation when they're in lower levels or or starting out, they're weaker people who magic users. They're more likely to solve problems without combat. Yeah. And sometimes, even though, like for example, D and D is combat heavy, right? Everybody talks that it's a combat game. Blah blah blah. And I tend, you know, I tend to agree. A lot of the spells, a lot of the rules are about combat. A lot of spells are dealing damage, but there's a, there's a few spells that are not dealing damage, right? And uh, and I think when you're when you have when you're creative with those spells, you can really like have just a really fun time throwing different combinations of spells to to either incapacitate people uh, or make them not being able to attack you. Like there's a barrier walls and there's grease you can make them slip and fall and all these other kinds of things. So I think uh, a smart player will look at a magic user and be able to use other spells to their advantage that aren't necessarily like 
combat or fighting type right. of things. Or, or like obviously like magic missiles. It's, it's something where you're definitely hurting somebody else. But there's the um, the light one, the where you dancing you lights. make dancing lights. Yes, and it confused people right. and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And you could use that to like different ways. I remember. I think it was in the the first game that we ran that I ran not the first game I ran but when I ran the the campaign call, I I called to the king where uh, I think uh, there was a well, I don't know what they were but they were in trouble they were hiding from somebody and they uh, I think they threw silence or something so they could get out of the out of the house the mansion unnoticed which didn't quite work but. But still, so stuff like that, I think, is like where the, a role that the magic user doesn't fit. Like, I think in this place, he was he was with a rogue, and the rogue made his uh, sneak whatever role. Yeah. He didn't want to make his sneak role because he wasn't very good. So he decided, I think the person decided to throw, like, silence. He had silence spells, so because he knew he was breaking into the house. So, right. So that's the kind of stuff that I think uh, makes uh, magic users more creative in a sense. Or, or not creative, but more likely to solve a problem outside of combat. And to avoid combat too, because as a, as a young or a starting out wizard or magic user, a lot of times, like I, we've talked already, is that you're not very strong. You don't have a lot of stamina points, hit points, whatever the game points uh, mean. That when you run out, you die. So, I think I think that's pretty neat. I think that to be able to not have combat because I think I because even though D&D like I said is a combat intensive game I, I'm very I'm very uh, I'm, what is it it's refreshing to see players not resort to combat right away right and I think it's pretty fun now uh, a lot of people say that uh, people in many games magic users are too powerful when they get to a certain levels or a higher ex- experience and stuff like that and I think that's kind of true I think uh, a lot of times in 5th edition, this was a this is, this is a person who was criticizing D&D, 5th edition, because they're trying to balance everything, right? That because wizards are so strong at higher levels, the other character classes, they made them like uber classes, right? They can do all these things with these feats and, and powers and stuff like that. And he was saying that, it was an article he wrote, that in the old days, they didn't care about balance like AD&D. They said, well, the only thing that was a sort of a balancing factor was that, for example, if you were a thief, it took you a thousand experience points to go up a level. But if you were a magic user, it took you like 2,200 points. So that was the balancing thing where magic users took a long time to go up levels and fighters and thieves and stuff like that took less. So they would progress to higher levels. Like you would be like an eighth level fighter and there would be like a fifth level magic user. So the magic is still kind of squishy, but he can throw spells that are pretty decent at fifth level and sixth level. And uh, the the other people the, in the group had more ex- more hit points and stuff like that. But in the end, magic users could definitely like just blow away uh, the other classes, except maybe a cleric, but even the clerics. So he was saying that the whole idea of between, fifth edition being so balanced is that it's it's caused the other character classes to be like uber powered. And so because everybody wants to be like on even keel at the being able to handle the same type of stuff. And that's just not the way magic users are usually portrayed in books or in uh, 
in movies, right? Look at Gandalf. Gandalf is a super powerful dude, and you're playing Frodo, or let's say Bilbo, who's a, a thief, theoretically, a burglar. Uh, they, they, they don't care about balance. I mean, there's a, multiple stories, shows on TV where the magic users, uh, like Dresden Files, right? Here's this guy who's a magic user. He's a sorcerer. What they call him? A wizard, right? He's a wizard or whatever he's called. I think he's a wizard. And uh, he has like people next to him around him who are just like mundane mortals. And there's no way that they're, they're balanced. But mortals can definitely like, I think, I forget the name of his Murphy. Murphy, cop. yeah. You know, she's just a cop. But she has a gun. She can, well, I mean, hello. Yeah, but you know, a cop with a gun versus, let's say, vampires. It's very tough. Right. That's when you need to run, by the way, in Dresden. There's other games other than D&D out there. Shadowrun. And I like the way Shadowrun handles magic is because no matter how powerful you are, you get to say, decide how much power you're going to load into the spell or force you're going to use in the spell. So if you have... And you they can say, put a lot of force into it. You can put a lot it. of force. You know. But you're going to take a... You have a chance of taking a big fall on your butt and hurt yourself well there's their mechanic is that you have to it's not fade it's uh, you have to roll against the the power of the spell yeah for blowback or something they call it right so if you if you make your roll then nothing happens you're good but if you fail the roll it depends about how doesn't matter by how far how bad you fail the roll yeah there's a there's a, a chart or yeah something. Yeah. So then you start taking damage. By the, the number of, of the bad dice that you roll, you have to take a certain amount, a certain of, damage. amount of damage. Right. So you could, like, and it was funny. Because, you can knock yourself out. Right. That's the funny I've part. done that yes. in Shadowrun. Because you want you want to you want to really give a whopping punch to this monster, whatever you're facing. And you're like, oh, this is, this is, this is really high. And so and then you do, and then you're taking a chance. Well, what's my what's my chances of, of my, like a saving you choose, throw? You choose. You choose. How important is it to kill this monster? Whatever you're fighting, usually right. it's something really bad. Right, let's the boss monster or whatever. Yeah, you call it, right. You, then it's your choice. You choose how much how much force you're going to. And how have. desperate you are as a as a player. Yeah. Char- or character. So uh, yeah, you did knock yourself out one time. I've knocked myself out. I've yeah. Stunned yourself. I, <laughs> I knocked myself out. They had to pick me up and carry me out because <laughs> I wasn't going to wake up anytime soon. Which it's, I think it's really cool. I really like that idea. Is that and that's to me it seems more what I see and 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 read and see in movies and, he, and well, read in books. Dresden, if you read if you read the Dresden right. books, Dresden but if you play Dresden, or not Dresden himself, but if you play the Dresden game, you know that you're going to get hurt, right? Right. And but you 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 balance it out with how badly do you need to do something versus how how much your pain you're going to be in afterwards right i think dnd does have a the thing with dnd is that you only get so many spells right Right. So if you're in the middle of a, this huge fight, and it's happened to me before, you you're going to run out of, of spells, no. and then you're going to pull out your daggers, and that's you're going to try to stand behind someone and not get killed. <laughs> exactly. So so it does balance it out that way. Yeah, but I just say I like the idea of that kind of decision-making on player, whether how much power they want to put into a spell, knowing that the more power, the more chances of them getting hurt or even knocked out. And I think I don't know if you can get killed. Yes, you can. In because uh, you, you you take a certain kind of damage, then you take physical. You take stun and then you take yeah. physical. So if you really max out or go nuts, no, you'd have to be really desperate yeah. to do that. You'd be the hero, right? But then there's also the um, in in Shadowrun, 
part of the magic is is you can do astral stuff, right? Right. So you're literally leaving your body. Yes. So you need someone to watch your body or right. have your body in a very safe place. Right. So that's that's another thing is that when you yeah you do that astral stuff is like you're very vulnerable. Yeah. And, and they make a point is that you're very vulnerable. You like, could die. You could, someone could kill you yeah. and you'd be dead. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I think that's pretty cool. I like that idea of that kind of magic and how that works. Another, another real quick, I just want to hear like a, a different uh, thing because we've been talking about D&D so much. Uh, it uses the Vancean system. That's what they call it. It was based on Jack Vance and he wrote some books and it's similar to how that magic system worked in one of his books. Maybe it was the Dying Earth series. I'm not sure. But anyway, that's what they call it. And there's, and there's always been this one alternative called the point system, right? Where each spell is worth so many points and each character or your magic user has so many points to spend mm. per period of time like per day and in this case instead of having spell slots where oh i can only throw fireball three times you know you, you're giving a bulk of points to spend and then you can spend it any way you want in any combination and possibly you possibly could throw more higher level spells but they use up your points faster, right, obviously. Right. And I really like that idea because that gives, again, that gives the, the magic user a little bit more. Fifth edition does that, but it costs you like, they call them spell points and it costs you a certain number of spell points to for per level. So Right, but this is uh, entirely. and it, Just points. Just points. Every spell has a point. And I think it's even, I think it's in, even in the, in the D&D is the optional point system, but I'm not sure. But I know there's systems out there that, there's people who homebrewed that kind of system thing. They've gone through the spell book, at least in the in the regular core books, and said this spell or these level spells are cost this much. Your first level, you get this many points. And you, even as a first level, you can just throw all your points into fireball if you're, you have enough points for it, which would you would never be able to do regularly in the regular system. So I think I think that kind of system, uh, which gives the magic user a lot of leeway, I think uh, I think I really like that system. Even though D and D is not like that, and D and D that I played the most probably, uh, I really like the spell point system. There's other games. I mean, the the games that we've been talking about, alternative games to D and D, where where the magic is a lot more a lot darker, right? Where you're gonna spell, throw a spell, but you might get chaos or or you're only going to be able to use magic every once in a while call of cthulhu is a good example right and the reason is because you're going to go insane a lot faster right because i think it's just considered forbidden knowledge right because right. that's weird you don't want to know that and every time i think every time you're exposed to forbidden knowledge every time you try to use forbidden knowledge you gotta do sanity you, you gotta I don't know if there's a you lose sanity, sanity check or, or you just, have to do sanity check. Or you automatically lose sanity. So I think that's you just that was that's that a straight it's just straight down slope. <laughs> but there's but the grittier games, as Saul likes to call them, magic is usually tied to dark forces, right? right? So chaos. So you have to you, you have to use it l- sparingly sparingly <laughs> and only when you really need to and you probably need to do something to heal yourself afterwards in a, in a way to keep your sanity or right. whatever i think i, I played uh i ran Bethorn, which is a a rule set for 
Empire Petal Throne by uh, Jeff D. And he uses a skill point system for spells. And I really liked it. I mean, I really liked it myself because when I was like making characters for the game, I was like, wow, this is pretty cool. And when the players were playing, they were like, oh, yeah. So so they were able to pick and choose. There was, I think, only one, one or two spellcasters in the group that I made. And they were really both like, oh, and they really liked the they really liked the list of spells that they were able to throw, and then be able to choose what spells they wanted to throw. And it was it had nothing to do with how, levels or anything right. like that. Right. So I think it's pretty cool. So playing a magic user, uh, I think is a uh, probably one of the funner uh, funner. It's, it's more a lot enjoyable. Of fun. it's a lot enjoy of fun. A, an enjoyable character. A, a lot to of play. people, yeah, a lot of people really enjoy playing. Uh, magic users in whatever game they're playing and i think just because it's just like uh what is it there's just so many it's part of our uh like our fantasy myth culture right like token because of tokens been around so long now <clears throat> excuse me uh you know the gandalf everybody considered yeah. as, as a wizard but there's other stories where where the, the you know even movies where the wizard was always like the if not the main character he was a big character in the in the book in the book or movies so i think that's pretty neat and i think a lot of people want to kind of have that reenact that kind of feeling that or experience experience that in the movie that they saw in a movie or read in a book so there you go there's it this is gaming perspectives with saul and jolene you have a good day Mm -hmm.